Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello and welcome to The Fear, a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror. I'm Sarah Morgan. So this week I've been thinking a lot about fear and comedy um, because uh, Victoria Wood died. Um, Victoria Wood died and um, she was my hero and I'm not going to wang on about just how important and influential um, she was to me and so many other people in comedy because... um, uh, we all know and, um, you know, all you need to know is that this whole thing has just basically taken the skin off me. Um, oh, there's been so many other deaths and this is the one that's just really booted me in the tits uh, of all the big deaths this year. Um, because I work in comedy, I had many opportunities to meet her and um, I declined every single time. I just didn't want to meet up with her, never wanted to meet her, never wanted to be in the same room as her because um, I loved her so much. I was terrified. I was way too scared of meeting her and boring her or uh, not having anything to say to her and um, just not being worthy enough. And, you know, she was 62 when she died, which is no age. And she died very quickly. And I honestly thought she, she was so prolific and I honestly thought she had another 20 years or so of me making something that would make me worthy of her, that would make her proud of me. Um, and I just feel like the world's biggest twat. I just, because of my fear, I missed out on the opportunity of being able to tell her what she meant to me. And that's my loss, not hers, but I just, I feel like the world's most craven, frightened little twat this week. And um, the irony of it is, is that the only person in the world who's funny enough to help you get over the death of Victoria Wood um, is Victoria Wood. Uh, so I've been wallowing and I would, you know, if you only know Victoria Wood, if you don't know her stuff or you only know her as like someone cosy that your mum likes, then... um she was that too because she was amazing and so everyone loved her and everyone includes your mum and my mum and you know generationally she touched so many people but um she also did write really uncozy really spiky brilliant dark stuff um she wrote a song called litter bin uh, which is just brutal and a song called andrea um her songs her early songs were so influential that morrissey just nicked one of them called 14 again and just sort of rewrote it a bit for one of his albums um, because you're allowed to do that if you're morrissey apparently and it's meant to be a compliment um yeah victoria would invented morrissey is what i'm saying um she also she had a sketch show in the early 80s um that had these like fake documentaries these mockumentaries and this is way before the office and people like us and it it became like a standard trope that people used in comedy but she sort of really invented those very quiet little mockumentaries about ordinary people and there was one called swim the channel about a little girl swimming the channel and it was so um the parents in it have this the 
chilly, cheery indifference of the parents in that. You can see the influence of of, of that in uh, everything from the League of Gentlemen to uh, Julia Davis and Rob Brydon and those kind of shows. Um, she touched so much of comedy and she will be missed so much and it is just unbearable that she's not with us anymore. Um, so... Uh, I think now it's time to talk about more pleasant things. And I know a pleasant thing. His name is Rufus Jones. (laughs) Rufus is an actor, he's a friend of mine. And uh, I first saw him in the Monty Python biopic, Holy Flying Circus, playing Terry Jones. And he played Terry Jones as a man and as a woman, as as Terry Jones in drag. And it's one of my favourite comic performances ever. Uh, It's fantastic. Um... Rufus has been in everything. He's in W1A. He works a lot with Julia Davis and he's in Hunderby on Sky Atlantic. And he's just um, appearing currently in Camping with Julia Davis, which I think is either on now or you can definitely get it on Catch Up. It was only just on. So um, we talked loads about um, what scares him, including uh, Ben Wheatley's A Field in England. We talked about twins. We talked about uh, hangings. We talked about how to die on screen, which Rufus has done a lot. And we talked about uh, what to do uh, when you wake up and there's a witch sitting on your chest. Hello, Hello. Rufus Jones. Hello. How are you, darling? Hello, Sarah Morgan. I'm good, thanks. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. We've, we are re- recording in a pub that we it's just... called the King just, and Queen. We just walked past it and thought, oh, we've been searching everywhere for somewhere to record that's oh. quiet in central London, which is very difficult. And I think we've accidentally stumbled on the world's greatest pub. Mm. So we have it's amazing, it's one of the few left in, in sort of Soho and Fitzrovia that hasn't been swallowed up. Mm, we're by, having delicious... By the man. By the, so by, the, by the chains. Yeah. We came in, they said, function room upstairs, why don't you go and use that? It's fantastic. And we've got Peroni and we've got mini cheddars. And I just went downstairs and there was a this man... This pub is basically like a 1970s kind of BBC drama. <laughs> it yeah, is! Red velvet chairs. Yeah. And there's a man, seriously, there was a man downstairs rolling cigarettes at the bar, mm. talking about how Jim Steinman and Meatloaf didn't speak to each other for <laughs> 15 years. <laughs> Uh, I saw over. that documentary last week. <laughs> Brilliant. Fucking bat out Steinman's, of Steinman's follow-up. Oh. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. Oh, my God. I'm, I With am. That, that frizzy, slightly pubic <laughs> hairdo that sort of Jewish men had <laughs> in yeah. the late 70s in the rock industry, it's just, it's terrible. I swear to God, I am basically made of that out of hell, that album. Particularly right. uh, uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Mm, I'm going to revisit because it almost works as sort of Bauhaus art theatre. It is. When you see it's him and uh, him and his honest, muse, yeah. it's fantastic. It is. It is wonderful. It's true. It's, you know, yeah. stick a Teutonic, Teutonic uh, helmet on him, and it's, it's basically Wagner, isn't it? It's fantastic. Ah, but more about bonus. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Actually, we're drunk already. Probably the same amount of bonus. Maybe I don't know. I don't know, but bonus is in German. Anyway, uh, so yeah, thank you so much for doing this because I mean not only are you extraordinarily busy with being in everything in a brilliant way that, that, that's a very sort of elaborate myth but thank you you've been in a lot of Julia Davis's we've done three things four mm. things actually though. wow and yeah. so yes you, she put you through some terrible things in Hunderby every time I see you you're always just like you've just been doing like I'm just putting away my penis basically. yeah, yeah basically uh-huh. As, and yeah. I now feel like uh, Rosie O'Donnell in uh, uh, <laughs> A League of Their Own saying to Madonna uh, you think there's people who haven't seen your <laughs> yeah. dick yeah. by now <laughs> yeah. well, I've had a key moment in the game my, my uniform bursts open and uh 
Oops, my bosoms come flying out. That then might draw a crowd, right? You think there were men in this country who ain't seen your bosoms? Julie Davis is just a goddess. Talking of dark comedy and, yeah. and, and, and spooky, the line between uncomfortable and hilarious, and that is Julie Davis. I think she's wonderful. But yeah, she yeah. makes you do terrible, terrible things. Yeah, she does. She does. And I, I was talking about it with someone recently. And the thing is, I think ultimately it's you want to do it more than you don't want to do it. Mm. That, that, and that's all it comes down to, really. And, and, and also what, what everyone talks about is true about sex scenes that they... Or, or getting your willy out. It's, it's really feverishly embarrassing for about 30 seconds. Right. And then it becomes a little dull. And then, and then, th- th- then weirdly you get, you get embarrassed putting your clothes back on at the end. Mm-hmm. Because everyone, every, you know, willies do get boring after half an hour, <laughs> after three years. <laughs> it's, it, no, it, it's, it's interesting. When the material, oh, I don't know, what's the saying? As long as the material is tasteless enough <laughs> and I'm justified in the script, I will get my cock out. Um, don't bash the table. I won't bash the table with my penis. No, yes. we'll get, I don't even know why you felt the need to get it out for this podcast. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's an audio it's a, thing. It's a visual aid. I mean, <laughs> visual aid. <laughs> Sorry. Um, cut that. Um, but yes, yeah, so you are, yes, you're, you're stupendously busy being in things and writing things and all that kind of But also, it you have just had to, you are a new father. A new you father just had twin girls. Twin girls and. So which one is the evil twin? So the e- so there are two, obviously, yes. One one is good twin, one is evil twin. Yeah, it's normally the left one. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Have you had to sort of change your feelings on scary twins? <laughs> ah, I wonder, <laughs> well, it's funny, I was thinking about that in preparation for this, and <laughs> I was thinking, what are the twin films? Dead Ringers, sort of twins, yeah. never saw it. No. <laughs> so, no, no uh, opinion, well, other than it's got Jeremy Irons in it. The Shining... Shining is, is the one. Shining is the one. But the girls, they just turn up. They just, yeah. they just block Danny, don't they? Yeah. That's sort of, but, they, but they are sort of iconically unsettling, those two. Come and play with us, Danny. Forever. And ever. And ever. Stag as well, which has just been on oh, yeah. turned into wonderful critical acclaim. And was you played a? I'm going to just say the C bomb. You played a spectacular cunt in it, and were wonderful. It's a very good. Yeah, he was cunt. solipsistic cunt. Yeah, yeah. you're. And it, it was it was a fascinating study of men at their most sort of mannish and awful and masculine and trapped together. And yeah, um, yeah. It it's has, funny, I was talking to a critic today on Twitter who, who was talking about camping. Mm. Which which weirdly shares a lot of similarities. Oh, really? With Stag. Because Stag, in was, it's basically for those who don't know Stag, Stag was a, yes. a BBC uh, comedy drama. It's only described really about a group of men on a Stag weekend who one by one get picked off. I think is the best way. To put yeah, it. yeah. But um, so a fantastic horror with a sort of horror funny, sensibility. You know, with a, yes, filmed very much like a, a straight horror film. But it with, was, I with think, some good yeah. gags in it. Yeah. And th- th- this guy said, I, I am currently specialising in playing. Civilized characters who are reclaimed in a feral, horrific way by Mother Nature, and it's very oh, true. And it's very so true. I did. I did about. Well, I certainly did two of them last year, back to back. What was the other one? Uh, camping. Weirdly, you'll oh, see. Okay. And it you gets, get reclaimed by nature. It gets quite. Uh, oh. It gets quite wicker towards the end. Oh, cool. Yeah, it gets really weird. So you've di- you've been killed on screen once. Right? Yes, killed on screen once. 
uh, in, in, overall, killed a few times, actually. Oh, have you? Yeah. yeah. Miss Marple. Oh. Were you killed in Punched to death. You were punched in the Marple? Punched to death and stuffed in a dumb waiter. <laughs> and discovered by Julia McKenzie in a dumb waiter. Um, oh, my God. And, and made the, the fatal mistake every young actor does. Actually, not young. Only did about five years ago. But died with my eyes open. Oh. Which feels very cool <laughs> when you do it and you think, you know what, I'm going to be that guy and die with my eyes open. What you don't realise is you, you, you need to check the shot. And there, it was a single take of camera onto me, lingering, seven seconds, eight seconds. I'm like that, eyes open, watering. <laughs> then the camera goes over to Julia, back to me. So when it goes over to Julia, I'm blinking furiously, trying to keep my shit together. Never die with your eyes open. Holy keep them shut, shit, no, like one no one cares. No one cares. Boiled sweets yeah. and ice hockey. And just keeping your pupils from shivering. Jesus. It's, re- it's a real... Like, you can either do it or you don't. I, I don't think I'm terribly good at it. Being dead it's, on screen. I, I, I'm okay being dead on screen as long as my eyes are closed. Yeah. No, I can go limp. That's torture. Keeping yeah. your eyes open. Yeah, it's well, like but, but, but it's one of those tropes that you think is almost obligatory because of the films you've watched. Yes. And then you realise it's, it's a worse cliche yeah. than dying with your eyes closed. Yeah. And then the last hundred was hanged and... That was interesting because we, I, I, I was hanged and just saved from death, and I had to, had to be strung up, and and you, you the same sort of ten guys operate a, a gallows mm. in all sort of British drama and comedy. Oh, really? it's the same it's guys the same with, the, with wow. stunts, the stunt gallows, the gallows men. Yeah, and they, they 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 have a kind of harness and a wire that's really tight. And you get hung. I was wearing a prosthetic. Mm. Mask and it be, and I had a, um, uh, a a sort of panic attack because I was so trussed up and I had Xander Armstrong next to me Alexander Armstrong course, yeah. already pre dead and hung he loved it he was mm. just swinging around he'd done it about twenty He's times very enthusiastic man. Just, yeah. just loves life. <laughs> he loves no, amazing lust for life but I I, I, I found that out? really hard yeah oh god now I bet so tearing up my costume afterwards and that was and, and what's interesting about that and again is it sort of adjunct to sort of comedy and horror and when they sort of trip over each other is, is I knew when I was being hauled up there was a very unconscious primal sort of synapse in your brain that goes you should not be in this position yeah. you should not be of here and, uh, uh, and and it really activated I had a real fight or flight sort of I sort of anxiety. So that must be a very strange fear to wrestle with—the fear of yeah. this terrible thing happening versus and the also fear of embarrassing yourself. <laughs> your best side. Yeah, showing, <laughs> yeah. Showing, yeah, and also yeah, not not yeah. fucking up the shot that there's two hundred people staring at you and then yeah. in puffer jackets and clipboards. Yeah, we found it. We found out a brilliant. Or I, I found out and told Julia a really good fact about hanging right up until the twentieth century. Mm-hmm. I think well, mid nineteenth is during a sort of uh, Tyburn Gates big mm. sexy execution by mm. hanging um, everyone would come and uh, a lot of the rich women of you know the it girls of London mm. would go into the front row because men and it was mainly men who were hanged mm. uh, would be hung uh, naked and when their neck snapped uh, they'd get a boner and they'd come <laughs> and as a woman what you would do in your repressed Victorian and pre-Victorian society would be to be sprayed by the death row scene, Peter Ackroyd's London. It's extraordinary. Oh, okay. If it had been and, anything else, other and a than lot that, of society girls that. would come back, going, "You wouldn't believe what happened to me," but they knew full well what was going to happen to them. It was a thrill. It was a thrill for society girls. And you told this to Julie Davis. Yeah, and the, and she chucked it in the speech. 
Yeah. <laughs> Extraordinary. Never tell oh. Julia's facts like that. Yeah, that's astonishing. I love it. That's yeah. wonderful. Um, let's talk about your yeah your choices for your, your three things. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I love I love uh, you sort of. I'm not that into horror films. I don't like horror films. But can we talk about uh, uh, just this bit that was in a scary film? Reese Shearsmith coming out of the tent in, <laughs> in England, yeah. which is probably one of the scariest things that's ever happened in the it is, it is. To, you know, in, it genuinely, it was in 2014 it was wasn't it is it that recent god it's very recent I, I think they not... filmed it a long time ago but they yeah, released it there. right tell yes. me about so when I watched you it, saw it I watched it once mm-hmm. I remember Ben Wheatley who I, I don't know but I know a lot of his collaborators yes and I, I we're going to get up to the ghoul in a minute oh yeah yeah, definitely, but I, I, yeah. Uh, Richard Glover is one of the stars of. yes that's what's so lovely about Fallen England is, is the cast is three Great comic actors. Yeah, it's Richard Glover, who's wonderful, actors. Michael Smiley, and Reese Shearsmith and the League of Gentlemen. So you immediately feel quite comforted and then discomforted yes, that it exactly. isn't comedy. It pulls you close. And, and there's funny bits, there's lots brilliant. of funny bits in it. And, yeah. and, and I, so I knew Richard, but so I was watching it as a sort of friend. Mm. And after about ten minutes, and Julian Barrett begins. Oh, of course, Julian Barrett's well. in it as well. Yes. And then after five minutes, I thought this is not a friend. <laughs> this is not the romp because it's all a friendly film it's set during know. the um, English Civil War. So they're all wearing, and then it's about some. It's about deserters from the war. So it's yeah. set in literally it, any field with four actors. Because it is deserters, but it's it's literally there's a there's a there's a battle going on in one field. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people slip under the hedgerow yeah. and one go one into another field, it's and it's entirely wonder, peaceful. It's a hilarious, and it's know, such a hilariously war. simple, yeah, yeah it, hilariously yeah. simple thing. And it's and it's the sort of thing that you sort of think, well, that that can't happen anymore. And yeah, I I, I, I sort of had a theory, half baked theory, that actually you do see that in a lot of war films, like in Apocalypse Now. Mm. There's a famous bit in the Redux Apocalypse Now where he visits a, a French family mm. down river has this weird sophisticated time mm. with this this kind of out of time imperialist French family who barely know that the Vietnam War is going on and similarly yeah. sort of in field in England you've got this like these idols sort of yes. in the middle of carnage I saw a field in England the first time uh, when it came out in the cinema at a parent and baby screening oh, wow. <laughs> at the Ritzy in Brixton and it was me and one other couple who were brave enough to take their Amazing. kid so I had a six week old baby I think and I'm not going to judge you don't judge me educating parents the kid that's, that's uh, like, I covered her eyes during the strobing just in mm-hmm. case because that would be a terrible time to find out your kid's an epileptic yeah, yeah, <laughs> during, yeah, <don't>, during the <laughs> strobing mushroom don't scene. use European cinema to find she that was out mainly asleep and, and I felt culturally enriched and in, in touching myself, so I, I, but the, yeah, those thing. those parent kid screenings. Yeah, you know, don't are, censor yourself. Don't no, because they. But yes, the, um, mm. uh, I I have very fond, very emotional memories of that film because mm. I was holding a tiny child, watching these people Christ. tripping their tits off in a field with these. The visuals of the Ben and Ben Willie is such an amazing director. Yeah, and his mm. and his, as I understand, his wife. Oh, yeah, it's Jump, written, by, stuff, written by a woman. Who's, and, Field of England written a, by a woman, which shouldn't matter, but does. Like, that seems like a sort of British equivalent to Scorsese and his editor, mm. film and shoemaker, who does all his amazing stuff. And it's just... They're just a sort of one... one A two-person British film industry, yeah. it seems, at the moment. It's really exciting. But that film, yeah, there's a, a centrepiece, and I can't remember enough. I've only seen it once. Yeah. But it's yeah, there is this bit. The, the this piece bit. That stays with you. But it's called yeah. apparently the mm. tent walk. The internet calls oh, really? it the tent. Capital fun. T, capital Lovely. W, and it's Reese Shearsmith's character who is a, I think, an alchemist's assistant, mm. and Michael Smiley forces him to come into a tent to do something 
Yes. You don't know what it is, and it could be it could be rape, it could be bestiality, or it could be seeing the face of the devil. Mm-hmm. We just don't know. Yes, it's never. It's it could. Never it's an explained. atrocity. Yes. Whether psychological or physical, and you hear shrieking from inside mm-hmm. the tent, but you never see what's going on. You see it just register on Richard Glover's mm. face and, and, and uh, everyone else's, and then then Reese comes out in this slow motion. Yeah. Dance walk. Oh, it's beautiful. And it's like a sort the music of is like revelations. Yeah. The music is like heavenly. And he's got a noose that's hanging horizontally into the tent. Yeah. With a beatific, the smile hollow is, smile. The, is the greatest thing because the smile makes you think whatever's happened to him, mm. he's the happiest he's ever looked yeah. in his life. Yeah. It's the happiest smile you've ever seen. Which because it's kind of a pact with the devil. Is that yeah. a pact or is it is it madness? But it ha- it? He has the look of a hap- uh, it may- I, I think the reason it's so chilling is because it makes you think that's the happiest person on earth. Because yeah. the, the smile is in- so insane. So yeah, you think, well, is that happiness? Yeah. Whatever's been terrible things we've done to his yeah. brain, that might be happiness. <laughs> <laughs> physical I think maybe not but he's he's certainly he's he's master sort of physical comedian now having done a few things with him he's extraordinary economy of movements and I don't know do you remember he does a character called Pam Doove okay do we have a Pam Doove next or a Pamela Doove I'm Pam Doove hello there how are you a bit nervous oh don't worry about that Pamela is it Pam or Pamela Pam Pamela whatever okay we'll stick with Pamela for now shall we Right, well, my name's Jed Hunter. I'm going to be directing this commercial. I don't know how much your agent's told you already. Not very much, actually. Okay, don't worry about that. Um, Basically, we're scouring the country looking for a fresh face for Greenwood's orange juice. We're in a newsagent's. It's a beautiful day outside, and a young girl, Pamela, walks into the shop, looks around a little bit and says, Excuse me, has anyone got a bottle of orange juice? And that's it. It's part of a montage thing. Would you want movements within it? No, no, no. Um, she comes into the shop, obviously. Uh, she looks around a bit and says, Excuse me, has anyone got a bottle of orange juice? And that's it. So, if you wanted to give us that in your own time, then that'd be cool. <laughs> Excuse me, have anybody got any baccalaureate? <laughs> and what's interesting about Reese coming out of that tent that of all the choices of all the sort of I don't know of all the stuff you could do mm. physically oh, he chooses to do ordeal, nothing yeah. and 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 also I sort of thought it, it's slow motion it's yeah. achingly oh, slow God, it's so, so, and yeah. you sort of wonder what did that look like in, in normal speed yeah. and the, the fact is it might have looked like a bit of a silly walk yeah. it might have looked quite funny yeah. and yet slowed it down it might have just been like and meditated upon with that music it suddenly length. becomes the most unsettling thing but yes yeah, that yeah. scene mm. is, is just it, it, mm. in everything I've seen and because it doesn't come it doesn't come out of a horror film I don't think I don't know, it's it sort is, of unclassified. It's such a strange, horror, strange film because it is so definitely a horror film to right. me. I think Ben Wheatley is an amazing horror director, but there, when the 
the very few moments of violence in it you almost welcome because yeah. the tension is so much. Then we kill list. He's so good at menace. And also he does he taps into the occult mm. like in a way that isn't hokey, isn't American. It's so un-American. Mm. The occult that he enjoys, mm. and it's that it, it is that it's stretching back to the to um, the Wicker Man. Yeah, and that that very British strand of sort of mm. <laughs> almost suburban kind of occultism, which mm. is all the more unsettling because mm. because of its banality. Mm. It's not screaming wraiths mm. and you know sort of haunted. Oh no! There's no. There's there's nothing epic. There's no. It's it's very parochial, sort of, and and I find that much more, much more unsettling. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. And and yeah, Yeah. Reese's that sort of walk really stuck with me to the extent that the the film remains a dream, like to me. (laughs) Rule of three. A podcast presented by me, Joel Morris. And me, Jason Hazley. In which we talk to people who make comedy. About the films. And TV. And books. And records. And comics. And people. That make them laugh. She doesn't want people having a go at Martin. <laughs> even though she can. And that's true. Of, I mean, most of my friends are idiots, but they're my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I never really understood what Hans Solo did for a job. <laughs> you don't need to know anything more than, like, he's just sobbing while being punched in the balls. They were just trying to make each other laugh in the office. You have to show a certain amount of contempt for your audience. <laughs> <laughs> Write your own jokes, in the morning, you lazy bastard. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Rule of Three Pod. Rule of Three. Available now from all good podcastier. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you. 
Hello, my name is Pete Ellison. This is Dave Cribb. Hello, and we do a podcast called Friends with Friends, as you might have guessed from the music that's playing underneath, uh, which is a sort of lo-fi rendition of the Friends theme tune for rights reasons. We get a different guest on every week on our podcast to talk about their favourite episode of Friends. And we look through in excruciating detail. We pick through levels of plots like no one has ever done before. So if you like Friends or just listening to people talking, which are both valid activities, do look us up on the old podcast app and that friends with friends and we're on twitter at friends wf i wanted to ask you because yes you you have yourself been appearing in with the wheatley family with the with yeah. the with members of the Wheatley family, yeah. you, you're in um, a film called The Ghoul, That's right. which is which is Gareth Tunley as director, Gareth Tunley and directed. it stars Tom Neenan, you and Alice Lowe. So who, Tommy's and yeah, me and who and brilliantly, Alice. Oh, yeah. yeah, you brilliantly have all been in the Paddington movie together. That's right. That's yeah, the, yeah, the, other, the thing, the thing you guys have in common is you all in the Paddington Bear movie, all very good in it. <laughs> Paddington Bear, I love this. A you're horror a, bear you're film, a, you're The Revenant. <laughs> you're not or, or loving. I don't know. Is it loving? Yeah, is it maybe. too far? Um, but you, yes, you were all in a uh, in a you were all in a horror oh, wow. film, a low budget horror film, yeah. which is going to come out soon. Well, Do we I, know? It's, it's, I, book is called The Ghoul, and it stars you, Tom Neenan, and Alice Lowe. It was made for I don't know ten thousand pounds mm. or something by by Gareth, and he he wrote this amazing script, and mm. Paul Kay's in it as well. Yeah, sure. And Jeff McGiven, it's and Dan Skinner. Oh, Jeff McGiven's in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's and it was the most extraordinary script. I mean, really mm-hmm. creepy and odd and difficult. And Gareth did Gareth did sort of um, a lot of he did a documentary around a field in England. Funny enough, so Ben used Gareth to do sort of right. the, for want of a better phrase DVD extras. Mm-hmm. So Gareth had a lot. I think he learned a lot under Ben. Sort of just made this amazing thing, and they're looking for distribution. But so, what's the premise? What, what's your role? It, I, I I don't know how much I can say because they're trying. It's really frustrating because they're trying to sell the film for distribution. So yes, okay. it's all very. But suffice it to say, Tom Meaton plays a policeman investigating a murder, and it's quite procedural and quite dry mm. for the first sort of fifteen minutes, and then it becomes clear that Tom may just think he's a policeman. <gasps> And, oh, okay, and I understand why it was fiction. And but this, it becomes, this, is a, this is a horror film. It's a horror. Well, it's a psychological sort of. Mm. It's a psycho thriller was, about. Yeah, and it, in the end, it becomes this kind of weird orgy of magic and uh, infinite loop physics. Wow. And which makes it sound weird and complicated, and it's both of those things. Cool. It's really extraordinary, and I I haven't actually seen it. What's this your role is, in it? I play. Uh, I guess I arguably play the ghoul in question. Really? Who's a, 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 a bipolar, no, manic depressive guy who's really cool and then has a enormous breakdown. <laughs> on, <laughs> um, Why would they think of you in that cast? I'd like a, Gareth wrote a four page script, uh, 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 monologue of, of manic. Oh my god. Uh, the physics and scientific stroke magical psycho nonsense mm. and, and, and I learnt it as best I could and we spent about three hours filming it where I end up pinning Tom Meese into a wall and spitting in his face and virtually headbutting him and it was yeah. really we sort of really thought we'd lose it and we mm. did sort of and, and I remember at the end I had a massive headache and I went upstairs and I slept for four hours 
while the rest of the flying took place. Oh, my I, God. I, it absolutely did me in. But I, I can't wait to see it. And, and yeah. they're looking for distribution. And it's, but it's one of those, you know, you make shorts and you make low-budget films yeah. and you don't expect them to have, you know, lives mm. and that's fine. But this, you kind it of It feels think, like there's a lot of love for it. So. There is. Yeah. And, and Gareth has done, wrote an amazing script by all accounts, has produced an amazing film. So it's sort of, yeah, doing that seeking distribution thing. And whether that means it goes out as is or maybe someone says, you know what, we want to give you... Hundred thousand pounds, mm-hmm. make it again. You know, uh, which happens. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, I don't know. Let's talk about your second thing. Oh yeah. You, uh, I asked you to tell me something that scared you as a child, and you took a very long time to answer, which I liked. Uh-huh. I like, I liked how long you took to answer that. That made me think, God, there's some. Your, your. Oh, this. You yeah. Dismissed many things before you got to this thing. So tell me, tell me what you finally. Well, this start. Yeah, frightened. So I remember. I. I, I very bleakly, I, I saw my grandfather die. Wow! Yeah, this was not what, and that's not my, my. That's not. No. That's not scary because actually it was. And, and this is awful to admit, but I think probably true. It was. It was to, to a five-year-old's eyes. It was sort of banal. Right. It didn't register. Uh-huh. And so I went upstairs and listened to my Winnie the Pooh tape, as I recall. My mum just sent me upstairs. Just Are get you out of not here. now in Winnie the Pooh? Uh, oh yeah, no, I narrated it. <laughs> I narrated it. it I is. You did not. You've never made the connection. Wow. Good yeah, you're God. another narrator of Winnie the Pooh. I could have been listening to... Oh, God, that doesn't... Oh, man, I'm anyway. so sorry. Did I just... <laughs> just do something <laughs> terrible to you? That was not traumatic in, in a weird way. He died peacefully way. of old age, not... Uh, no, no, he died of a heart attack in, in, in our house. Oh, Yeah, God. no, it was quite awful. But I, I didn't... And it's and looking back, it's extraordinary. I have images. Terrible. But that's not... It's not... You're not frightened of that. At that age, hmm. you, don't, it, you just don't compute it. Yeah, I guess. I remember the images, and years later, you go, Jesus Christ. But it was, uh, I, I remember that the one thing that freaked me out was, I think, to all intents and purposes, mm. my first nightmare. Mm-hmm. And my first nightmare, my, my dad ran a theatre school, and he ran it in, like, in those days, he ran it in a, ser- a sort of series of church halls. Like, it was a big church hall, but interconnected rooms. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a, a recurring nightmare that I was being chased by ghosts. And I think at that age they were sort of the Casper variety, right, sure. almost like you know sheets. Guys under sheets with eye holes, but, yeah. You know, scary, yeah. scary yeah. ghost. You know, the, the undervalued ghost mm. in a sheet. You know. Mm. And what I remember about being really insidious about the dreams that I'm running away from them, and I get into a room, and there's a pile of mattresses. This is where it gets quite Freudian. It's a pile of mattresses, mm. and I get to the mattresses. And I pull two mattresses apart, and I get in. Oh. And, and I think I'm safe. And then I feel a tug at my legs. And they start oh. tugging me out from between the mattresses. And that's where it ends. But it was the moment of, like, sanctuary, followed by, oh, God. Okay, I and love it. I love that you said that it was quite Freudian, because I think... The, the, that Thanks for returning the, to the womb. The, but yeah, well... I think I think we all know what the mattresses <laughs> represented. I think it doesn't. Yeah, there's something. Jeez, <laughs> there's something with um. There is there, there is the thing with dreams, isn't it? That you don't analyse the contents of the dream. You analyse what it made you feel at the mm. time. It's very interesting. Mm. That was a a uh, uh, yeah. The the your feeling it was yeah, yeah. A, a feeling of fear and then. How old were you when you had this dream? I think I was five. 
Wow. And I probably had it on and off for about three years. Fucking hell, really? I think, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I remember from a young age, definitely thinking, "This is happening too much." This thought. And how did you? Did you? You, you don't remember? Do you remember overcoming it? Or no, no, it just went away. It just went away in that way. But then, but what's 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 interesting about it as a nightmare is mm. it's not that it's not. It was. It was never. There was never that inevitability of certain nightmares uh-huh. because each time you get you got between the mattresses, you'd think, "This time I'm fine." That was oh, always really? that Every was always a new feeling. Oh wow, that's amazing! And then they get you. Fucking hell! And I remember just thinking, "This is I, I can't. This is ungovernable. I can't mm. sort this out." Oh, and, that's horrible! And it, it's it like afflicts you, you know. And I, yeah, and they just it just went away. One yeah, day. it just went away, yeah. and it's just I have such a vivid the geography of the rooms yeah. and stuff. I, I remember it's like and it was such a long time ago. And I, I I find that just the way these things, these innocuous things, burn in on your memory. Oh yeah, it's just really amazing. I used to have a what you don't re- recurring dream that uh, my mum was kidnapped by two Freddy Kruegers. Oh my god! And she, they would hold her hand and run off down the street with her, wow. skipping. They were skipping like and the she was being dragged. Yeah. Ex- <gasps> Fucking oh, there you go. So I did not twig that until you just said that, but that's exactly what it looked like. Same silhouette as the end of wow. Wisdom was a creepy fucking comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but that that's so nice. interesting. So did yeah. you play Pac-Man much as a child? Are they, are I think I probably games? did, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, yeah. that's interesting, but not at that age. I'd have been too right. young. I've been too young. No, I, I don't know. I, I, I remember in our old house, I thought I saw a ghost once as well. Do you believe in ghosts? don't know. I always ask everyone on this uh, show this question, and it's so interesting. Do you know, I think as I get older, answers. I sort of go, it's more interesting to think maybe... It, really? Yeah. Is that what you think? Yeah, I sort of think... But, but then it's sort of... It's all, it's all dependent on what you think a ghost is. Oh, and whether, okay. or, or whether you, whether you explain it in non-supernatural terms, but, but explain it in terms of, I don't know, sort of echoes of... You think it could be <laughs> Visual a, a, an echo of a memory I don't of know. a exactly. event that happened, exactly, oh. or or parallel universes. Oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. But well, yeah, because that's the interesting thing. People never. I don't people, know. I, I remember when I was growing up, the idea of aliens was ridiculous. The mm. idea of oh, who would possibly believe in aliens? And then now, sort of very recently, it feels like people have gone. Oh, of course, there's aliens. It's just we can't speak them. Yes, we yes, won't exactly, get around to it. Exactly. It's, it sort of uh, feels if science, in some ways, pushes you more towards. Believe mm. in those things because it, it gives there as many so reasons for why we, it might. Yeah. There are so okay. many things we do. What we know is that we don't know. Is it, it seems to be yeah a very scientific. Yeah, what we know that. is that we we don't have a clue. Yeah, I mean I don't believe in ghosts, but I'm I sort of fascinated I, I, by yeah. I mean I, I always sort of thought well. So tell me about you when you thought know. you saw a ghost. Oh, it, it was in my bunk bed, in our first place in Shepherd's Bush, and I woke up and I saw. A woman in a, a sort of a black and white, in black and white Victorian dress, mm. and that stuck with me. And it was years later. I sort of thought, why would I have? And I was very young, mm. probably about seven or eight. And I thought, why would I have chosen such archetypal, ghostly, Edwardian Victorian clothes? And and I, I'm not. I'm not. I think I probably did just. It see something like, momentarily it wasn't a ghost be, I, it sounds like maybe but I sort like of admired my, my taste one of those old fashioned um, did you ever see a sanctuary tell bag 
that oh, yeah. ladies used to get back yeah, in the day. Yeah, yeah. With the lady with the parasol. With the lady with the parasol yeah. and the sandwiry. Yeah, exactly. the old sand- sandwiry like towel bags used Sandra to have the most, most to-do looking lady from the Victorian time with a huge oh, yeah. skirt and parasol. Yeah, yeah. For your they were lady. the ones who were at the front of the hanging while the bloke spun <laughs> 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 it's it's a no, no. There you go. <laughs> uh, right, let's do your last thing, which actually we might as well just carry on talking about what we were talking about because the last, your last choice is we, we talked about a fear that you mm. have now, mm. and you told me that you suffer from sleep apnea. Yes, as I know it. About yeah, tell me about your experience with sleep apnea. So my so, so my girlfriend says that when I sleep, sometimes I will stop breathing. Ugh. For long, long periods, and it will wake her up because she will go, Jesus Christ, what's going? And then I'll just, <gasps> and 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 uh, one of our daughters does it. I think I think babies what? do yeah. sometimes have weird. Yeah, they but one them. of them the other day stopped, and I remember going, what, what? And then suddenly there was a huge, enormous gulp and a rush of air, and I thought, oh, God, please don't inherit this. But I have, in terms of my experience, I have a feeling where I. I'm asleep, I'm consciously asleep, and my head weighs 10 tons, and I can't get it off Ugh. the pillow. And as I can't get it off, my windpipe constricts, and I panic, and I can't breathe, and I stop breathing. And then just through sheer force of will, you end up breaking that, that paralysis. That's how, so yeah, you, sleep paralysis is, yeah. And, and I, I don't know sleep paralysis and sleep apnea are the same thing, but I, th- I think maybe they're linked. Have you ever heard of the expression being ridden by the witch? Yeah, totally not. No, <laughs> you've not heard of it. Okay, no. so this is this is this is my knowledge of sleep apnea and sleep uh, paralysis. Is it used to be called the witch because it's the feeling? I know you've gone really pale. Are you right? Oh no, it's a, it must be. It's weighing down on me. Yeah. So it's, it's a witch on your chest. A witch on your chest. It's, it is, um... Because yes. it's a bit like the, um, you know, the succubus, the myth of the succubus. Yes. There's that famous kind of romantic painting of a little sort of... So it's, 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 isn't, that that really, isn't that reassuring that it's so common? Yeah. We've invented a we've mythology. We've invented around a mythology around it. There's mm. one called um, in Fiji. It's called Kana Tevoro, or being oh. eaten by the demon. Oh God. Uh, in Turkey, it's the jinn, oh. another demon. In parts of China, it's a mouse stealing your breath. It, well, in China, in China you see that's interesting because breath. that's just natural, and that's not that's not a prejudiced <laughs> sort of version. It, all the others are demonic. Yeah, whereas the no, Chinese just, just go, oh, it's just, just you know, a shit mouse. happens. Just, just a mouse, mouse with cheese. In, in uh, Catalan folklore, so God bless. Barcelona, uh, a giant dog or cat enters your room and sits on your chest while you sleep. Yeah, I love. Th- yeah, it, it's, a, it's a bit like sort of, um, oh, a goose has walked, mm. walked across my grave or I've got mm. goosebumps, something, or deja vu, something that if you didn't know the term for it, no. it would be so terrifying as a concept. Like, why does my brain think this has already oh. happened? But as soon as someone gives you a term for it, mm. it you relax and you go, okay, well, yeah. 20,000 other people are Yes, and it's not my fault. And it's not my fault, it's not my yeah. fault. Or, or my but body, that's... but it's more my body is not turning against me, which is the great fear, you know. Apparently there's a Swedish horror film about sleep apnea. Um, I'm guessing you I don't bet there is. No, I, I'm not sure. I find that, yeah, I find that really hard. Be how, really, do you, how do you break out of it? You yeah, just, you, force of will. Really? Yeah, it's really interesting. There's no, I, I, I'm sure some people maybe have little kind of, I don't know, almost like safe words that you can get out of it with. Mm. But I, no, I just, I, I strain, strain, strain to breathe and just get out of it. And, and you think and one of your little girls has got it? Well, 
I, I, I hope not. Mm. I tell you one thing, the last, it, it actually woke a, a, a memory very early on in the kids' lives when only a few weeks old, I had B on my chest mm. and she fell asleep. And I woke up and she was just on a certain position mm. of my sort of breast. Oh plate, my God, but it's like where witch. It was actually like, <laughs> where the witch I, I actually the thought, or... I'm going to have to move you because I can't breathe properly. And there was a weird, for a moment, she was the witch. I thought, <gasps> she's a, yeah. That's and and I, I think in, that in, in about six it, months' time, you realise that was. A I remember feeling <laughs> slightly panicky, and at the time, I didn't realise what you know. It's, it's, mm. it's my beautiful baby on my chest. What on earth is wrong? I'm sure it triggered mm. some sort of anxiety mm. around that. In around six months' time, you'll realise that that was a metaphor. Yeah. Then <laughs> your Charles is joking that I'll, I've I'll, I'll um, <laughs> put it in the diary. I am joking. It's lovely. Um, yeah, but yeah I'm trying to think what else to say on this. Yeah, sleep apnea. Um, do you know what's sc- about screen apnea, which I definitely no. have, and I've had trained myself out of. No. Screen apnea is uh, it's the condition where you hold your breath while your screen is loading, when you get the little circle, the wheel <laughs> going around. And I think everyone has it to a certain extent, but sometimes if you have a shit Wi-Fi connection. That's hilarious. You can die, <laughs> or you can certainly start having a panic attack. Because my girlfriend also yeah. says that when I'm when I'm yeah. tired and overworked or stressed, mm. and I'm on actually that's in, yeah when I'm on a computer mm. or I will yeah and just hold my breath for no reason whatsoever while yeah. maybe waiting for something to load no, or it, just waiting for something to happen yeah whether it's tele channels or, yeah you know, it's um. Isn't that weird? It's weird. Once you know, once you know it, it's fine because you break out very easily. You, yeah. you go breathe, and it's fine. But if you don't know you're doing it, I think I had to have someone point it out to me. It's really someone I dumped immediately afterwards for yes, but God love freaking me out. <laughs> uh, but the yeah, having it, having uh, yeah, screen apnea is yeah. horrifying. But when you realise that you've just for no reason at all held your breath for forty seconds yes, because needlessly because your phone is being a bit shit and yeah. you want to look at Facebook. And you know the ghost. Of, that's the ghost of Steve Jobs on your chest. <laughs> That was Rufus Jones. He's fantastic. Uh, my guest next week is Joel Morris. He's a comedy writer. He's the co-author of the Ladybird books for grown-ups that you probably got for Christmas. And he's a massive horror nerd. So we had a really good chat about horror and comedy and about the film The Innocents, which is super spooky, and about uh, a certain kids TV show that um, we found creepy in a fantastic way and uh, about how he decided uh, a couple of years ago to just down tools and make his own horror film with another comedy writer. Uh, It's a really interesting chat, so I hope you join us. Uh, The Fear is produced by Gav Murphy. The theme tune was by Tim Bazell. Uh, you can rate and review the show on iTunes. Um, we love hearing from you on Twitter. It's at The Fear Podcast. And uh, hope you'll join us next week. Bye. Great Big Owl.com. Hi, I'm Julia Rayside, and I'd like to invite you aboard my podcast. Always There is the only podcast to navigate through every single episode in order of the 1980s seafaring soap opera, Howard's Way. I mean, if we're talking lacquer, we need to go back to Polly, who's got 28 cans of Elmer. Dawn. It was definitely um, yeah. feeling horrible that you hadn't done your homework. Yeah. Obviously, Lynn is immediately in a bikini. It's, it's a freezing day in, I'm guessing, February. I was going that swimming pool looks f***ing freezing. You don't have to love Howard's Way or even remember it. We're going to talk about it anyway, because I think it's brilliant. Jack still feels very much at sea. I can't help reaching for these puns. I'm so yeah. sorry. 
sorry. Yeah, but it's important. He doesn't really acknowledge how grave... What an ocean of trouble Thank you. It is. This is why we got you on your there bloody you see. That's all I've got. I'm leaving now. Available from your usual podcast supplier. Find us on Twitter at AlwaysTherePod. Somebody's nicked my bloody boat. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.